Hey Priya, so excited to have you as a guest on the International Voice. Before I begin this episode, as always, I want to introduce my guest Priya first. She graduated with a bachelor's in computer engineering from University of Mumbai and then completed a MS in um, computer engineering from Virginia Tech. So we are both hooky, so we, we share that aspect. And then uh, since then, she's worked um, at various um, core technical roles and leadership roles at global, globally known companies like Sun Microsystems, Oracle, Intel, and most recently as a member of technical staff at VMware. Anything else you would like to add, uh, Priya? Um, I would just like to say that uh, I've enjoyed my technical roles so far um, and uh, my passion for uh, learning new things in technology has uh, uh, keeps pushing me every day. Sweet. That's, uh, that's good. That's, uh, that's why I like because uh, a lot of people actually uh, start off with technical roles uh, and uh, they, they're trying to find like are we like specifically would need to go to the managerial positions, mm -hmm. but uh, this would be a good um, interaction in terms of people who want to stay technical right throughout yeah. the life. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, mm -hmm. that's interesting. Let's go back to your time um, during your bachelor's uh, at University of Mumbai. Can you describe anything or uh, how was um, your time like in University of Mumbai? Uh, mm -hmm. Why did you choose computer engineering? Uh, yeah. So um, when I was, uh, when I was young, right, say about nine or 10 years, I, um, I had a passion for uh, uh, engineering. I stumbled upon my dad's uh, thesis work and I thought, okay, uh, this sounds interesting. My dad was a mechanical engineer. So that pushed me in this direction that I should take up engineering versus medicine or any other architecture or any other fields. And, uh, once um, I started uh, pursuing that passion of uh, engineering, um, I, I was always drawn towards uh, building things, uh, um, making some changes around the house or uh, doing small projects uh, uh, with my brother. Um, and uh, so me and my brother, both of us are engineers and uh, uh, we, uh, we, we are like, uh, uh, strong companions uh, to each other and we've, we've continued uh, uh, being so. Uh, so, um, so a little bit of family background and my own interest uh, in engineering pushed me in this field. Um, and uh, in uh, in Mumbai, um, we we are not uh, originally from Mumbai. Uh, we actually uh, come from the south, uh, Chennai. Um, so um, my dad uh, worked in. Uh, uh, the multinational companies and he used to narrate his stories so that was also an inspiration for me when um, when i was growing up um, and uh, uh, engineering is something that uh, uh, that when you look at it uh, you can always uh, get uh, you feel that it's uh, it's uh, in about 10 years time from after finishing uh, 12 standard uh, you can be kind of settled in your life so uh, that seemed like a far easier route than going into medicine and other things so that's what I stuck with. So I'm in engineering. And then, um, and then I went into University of Mumbai and uh, I had uh, school friends who um, studied with me all through from primary school, middle school, high school, and also in engineering. So we had a good group of friends who, uh, who went through the same colleges, same university. Um, so my engineering in University of Mumbai was very, very um, interesting and uh, very joyful. Uh, and uh, like all other engineering students, we had a lot of fun uh, doing all the assignments uh, uh, together, doing experiments, doing uh, our vivas, doing the tests and the semester exams, and then the holidays before the exams, uh, discussing about all the different uh, uh, questions, and then. Uh, 
uh, at the end of the exam, we would again discuss that, oh, okay, these are the chapters that I studied and I got the questions from here and some other people did not get it. So, um, so it used to be fun. And uh, then the, in the final year of engineering, there was recruitment. And uh, I, I was actually scheduled to take up a job at Wipro um, as a starting engineer. Uh, but I had at the same time applied uh, for admission uh, to the universities in the States uh, for masters. Um, so since I'd already given uh, GRE and TOEFL, so then, um, uh, then we also came up with a game plan of uh, uh, how to apply to the universities from the same college, because you know that uh, uh, that uh, the masters uh, uh, admissions uh, don't come out easily when you uh, uh, when you are applying uh, from the same college and the same university. Um, so, um, uh, as a group of students, we split up the universities that we applied to. And uh, so there were five of us who got into Virginia Tech um, and I was one of them. Uh, I had, uh, I was uh, very lucky to travel with uh, uh, the classmates from uh, engineering uh, coming into Virginia Tech. Yeah, you said that uh, your, your dad was a big influence in you choosing engineering. Um, so, so specifically when you actually went to University of Mumbai, uh, was, uh, did you already just like fit in in like a, like a cube into the block system or uh, was there any sort of like, okay, so this is what I was expecting from engineering and this is what I got uh, when you reached to University of Mumbai. How, how did it feel like when you, when you started off the curriculum? So um, when I reached uh, University of Mumbai, um, uh, engineering was not the kind of uh, easy path that uh, uh, that I thought it would be. Um, uh, so as uh, any uh, degree course is, uh, there are challenges. Uh, so the first year is very simple uh, because everybody is going through the learning curve. Uh, but as you go into the specialization, like computer engineering, um, there is a lot expected out of the students. So there were some projects where we had to spend 12 hours continuously. Uh, there were uh, a couple of, uh, there were some, um, uh, some things that needed to be done in a short period of time. Um, sleep was always a factor that had to be adjusted. Um, so it was not easy to get the 10 hour of sleep always uh, doing engineering. Um, so, um, but um, as you go through the um, learning curve, like after two or three years in engineering, you, you pretty much get used to the whole uh, process of uh, having, a, um, having a varied schedule and uh, getting your projects done uh, in time. Uh, so, um, uh, so the, the there are uh, different courses demand different um, uh, different amounts of time. So uh, like uh, operating system is very challenging. Uh, there uh, there needs to be a lot of uh, compilation and uh, run that needs to be done to make sure that the program works correctly. Um, so uh, we had to develop a compiler at runtime. Uh, so writing code for the compiler wasn't easy. There was always a, a lot of churn required. And if you're working in a team, uh, developing the, the team synergy is a big challenge. Um, so um, always, um, I think as uh, professional, um, as we pursue the professional careers, it's very important to uh, to be able to work in a team setting, um, uh, gel with your fellow teammates, um, and also complement each other. So uh, if one is good in coding, the other is good in documentation, then split up the work accordingly. Um, uh, I would say this works even in uh, today's professional life uh, where I'm working. Um, so we always try to find out what, it's always a good idea to find out what you're good at and um, uh, pursue that. 
but sometimes you have to um, you have uh, you you need to uh, step back and say that okay i'll take up something that i'm not good at and try to uh, do that better so that that is a learning curve and also working in a team setting is very important as engineers i think um, uh, so that is what uh, i learned over um, uh, over the four years in engineering and uh, uh, then there was uh, uh, campus recruitment and uh, in campus recruitment uh, there were several companies that came in and all of us have similar resumes so how do you stand out so there is where um, uh, what you do outside of um, your um, outside of your work life um, so what do you do in your extracurricular in your free time uh, do you do coding or uh, do you do some music editing or do you uh, create music using different instruments? Uh, are you part of a band? Are you part of a community group? Uh, anything that you do outside of uh, your regular day job um, is what helps your resume stand out in the beginning. But obviously after you get your first job, then the experience will push you into the other jobs. But uh, for the beginning, you have when you start um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of things uh, that you do outside of work helps you uh, make your resume unique. Um, so, um, so during campus recruitment, uh, all of us had uh, similar kind of resumes, but our extracurricular activities kind of stood out. Um, uh, uh, the reason I say this is because uh, uh, if you are confident. Uh, talking outside of uh, outside of work uh, that shows that you can you can gel well with uh, new personalities and new people because the work area is a completely challenging situation there are people with different uh, backgrounds who show up at work uh, so um, uh, feeling comfortable to work with uh, people from different backgrounds different uh, areas is very important um, uh, that is what i've learned over time uh, uh, so uh, that was my experience. So we we were campus interviewed at Wipro, and I got an offer from Wipro. At the same time, I was applying for um, for masters uh, in the states. And um, uh, as a uh, so we um, uh, we had divided the universities that we applied to in our class. Um, so five of us got admitted into Virginia Tech, um, and so I was lucky uh, to travel with them to the states, uh, not being alone. Um, so uh, that uh, uh, I think uh, it's important to have a good set of friends. Uh, right when you're growing up uh, because that keeps uh, pushing you in the right direction and even if you don't have uh, friends or even if you're not if you do not have that initial um, uh, initial background you can develop once you um, uh, once you get into uh, um, get into college um, or get into higher studies so uh, do you want me to keep talking about uh, Virginia Tech now so I, I'll ask you uh, I'll ask you step by step so you already said that you got the admission to Virginia Tech, and then I'll yeah. ask you like how. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I'll move on to the okay. next part. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, we'll we'll just keep on continuing. Um, uh, whatever the question is, just I'll just answer that, and then I'll actually I I want it like to be flowing like a journey where mm -hmm. um you you completed Virginia Tech now you got the first job. Yeah. Uh, how was the job experience like, and then now. Like then I'll uh, then I'll ask you like what the next journey after Sun Microsystem you went to Oracle what was yeah. the transition like all okay. that so I'll, okay. I'll keep so on did you uh, do you want me to talk about Virginia Tech a little bit more because about finding a mentor and finding a yeah, so the, I'll be asking that uh, okay. on on terms of like I'll continue to ask that okay okay 
Um, so Priya, so uh, once you move to Virginia Tech, uh, can you visualize for the viewers of this episode, how were your first 30 days in, um, in America like? Was there any sort of culture shock that you experienced during that period of time? Uh, my first 30 days after landing in the States was, um, was very challenging uh, because uh, first is uh, uh, taking care of yourself emotionally uh, because I never stepped out of home for, uh, uh, in, in my 20 years of life. So uh, coming to the States was the first time I was staying away from home for an extended period of time. Um, so uh, the first two weeks uh, were uh, went about in adjusting myself emotionally. And then the second uh, thing was um, getting adjusted to the time zone difference uh, because India is diametrically opposite uh, to the States. Um, so um, uh, getting used to the daytime here is nighttime there. And when do you make phone calls to talk to uh, folks back at home? Uh, so, um, uh, so we had to, uh, and, and given that that was 2001, um, there was no uh, easy, uh, easy way to uh, call uh, uh, call India um, other than using uh, uh, the calling cards. Uh, I know folks who have been that time would know that uh, calling cards are so very important uh, uh, to uh, to make phone calls and talk. So um, uh, so the first thirty days went about in um, uh, setting myself up, and then we had these uh, international student orientation where we went and uh, spoke to. Um, uh, spoke to the existing students at Virginia Tech who are from Indian origin um, and uh, they gave us a lot of support um, in uh, getting adjusted to where to buy food, what to, um, what to do for travel, how to uh, get a bus pass to, to go from, uh, from where you're staying, uh, from the apartment to the college campus. Uh, um, Blacksburg is a college town, um, so travel wasn't that much of an issue. Uh, we, had a, uh, uh, we had a bus which used to take us from the apartment complex to the college and also to the different uh, areas within the uh, campus. The campus is huge, um, so a lot of uh, traveling used to happen uh, for taking classes at different locations. Um, and also um, uh, the uh, seeing uh, students here who are more, uh, 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 the undergrad students were very, very um, uh, carefree and very happy and uh, very much uh, enjoying the time of their life. Uh, we as grad students, when you come from a different country, um, uh, that is a kind of a, a, a difference in the scenario that uh, uh, that we experience. Uh, but uh, after a point, uh, you you tend to um, uh, you tend to uh, tend to ignore some of the um, uh, some of the things that uh, the undergrad students. Uh, uh, take for granted and uh, um, and you start uh, trying to make your own rules um, of living uh, in the states um, so that was uh, a learning curve in the first couple of months and then um, then came the course expectations so uh, doing a grad course in the states uh, is not an easy task um, the uh, they expect um, uh, at least twice or thrice the amount of work that we do in the undergrad um, uh, so finding a good uh, mentor or finding a good uh, a professor who can guide you um, through the graduate course um, is very crucial. 
because uh, that can uh, pretty much uh, uh, decide how you um, how you pass out of the course um so um i've uh, so initial uh, days uh, uh, went about in analyzing about the different profs who are there in virginia tech in the computer science department and uh, setting up interviews or talks with them uh, to find out if your interests match what the professor wants uh, from a student and um, um, the way to approach that is when the professor calls you for an interview, it's better to go well prepared. Um, also, um, uh, to um, to decide how much time commitment you are able to give to him, uh, because uh, the professor would basically uh, be do asking you to do uh, work that he is not able to accomplish during his uh, regular tasks so um, uh, so being um, very receptive uh, to this uh, guide or mentor is very important um, if you are not receptive and if you're not um, uh, if you're not uh, forthcoming uh, with the mentor uh, that is uh, going to be a problem um, so I would say that uh, it's better to do your research well in advance and find out um, who whose interests would match yours and uh, and commit to it um, and uh, sticking to one uh, professor over a long period of time definitely uh, carries more value than uh, uh, switching between different uh, disciplines and different uh, uh, mentors. Uh, and uh, uh, the mentor that you stick to uh, would definitely find opportunities for you. And uh, uh, they will uh, make sure that uh, uh, they push you forward because that, uh, that counts on their uh, job profile also that they trained so many students. So um, that's my advice. And uh, so I was lucky enough to find a good mentor. Um, I worked with Dr. Eric um, uh, at Virginia Tech, and uh, uh, he um, he was doing some analysis on uh, uh, on uh, on developing uh, uh, search uh, 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 on developing uh, on improving the search uh, for the Virginia Tech website, and I worked with him on that. Um, and um, uh, and then um, I took courses around operating systems, uh, um, uh, human computer interaction, um, information visualization, uh, and uh, networking. So um, I uh, basically had uh, a passion for operating systems, so I continued uh, in that area. Um, and all of my work has been around uh, enterprise systems, um, uh, software, um, uh, developing and testing for hardware. Um, so. Um, uh, so uh, Virginia Tech was a very good experience and uh, I would strongly recommend uh, every uh, student to uh, to take up um, uh, take up graduate studies uh, when uh, they finish undergraduate if possible uh, because that definitely opens you up uh, to uh, uh, the expectations as a professional uh, because undergraduate sometimes uh, doesn't give you the full picture uh, but once you take a graduate studies, you do realize that uh, uh, that getting uh, to um, uh, doing a uh, professional, uh, becoming a professional engineer um, is um, is not as easy as it seems. Yeah. So um, let's uh, let's roll back into that aspect of um, uh, if you have to give suggestions to international students who are not already over here to find out um, about like their research advisor. Who are they going to be working with, right? So, what were the core things uh, that uh, international students should, or any graduate student in a sense, should be looking in uh, a, a, 
an advisor, research advisor for themselves? What would be the core traits that you would look for? Uh, so uh, the the traits that I would look for in a research advisor is uh, one is uh, the kind of students that he uh, admits. So uh, you can always go to the the faculty page and look at uh, the number of students that are there and uh, um, and 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 get a good uh, good feel of uh, uh, the kind of ethnicity that uh, uh, students that the professor accepts. And also you can look at the number of uh, uh, PhD students that the professor has. Um, if uh, if he has a larger number of PhD students, it just shows that uh, um, that the professor is more committed to uh, uh, to being in the uh, being uh, being as a faculty and also wants to uh, further his interests um, much more than some other people who um, who have lesser PhD students um, so that uh, so looking at the ethnicity of the students looking at the number of PhD students that the professor has um, and the various um, uh, papers that the professor has published uh, will give you a very good idea about uh, um, uh, about the professor's interests and how they have changed over time uh, so, um, uh, I would say, uh, do your research well beforehand, even before you send the first email to the professor saying that I want to, um, I want to work for you. And when you send that email, I want to work for you, um, make sure that you do it with full commitment uh, because uh, uh, the, the professor can turn back and say uh, that uh, you said you wanted to work for me, so let's get started. So you should be at the position where uh, you're not uh, you're not in two minds about uh, taking up a particular um, a field of study and uh, pursuing it for a longer time. Are you confident about working yes. with that particular professor? Yes. Interesting. Those are those are amazing points, Priya. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, what about uh, so so once you were done with your uh, masters, right, and you were in the process of finding your full time job? Mm -hmm. um, what what did you what what do you think enabled you to find your job at Sun Microsystems? And uh, what what were the mistakes that you made that you look back and would suggest based on that would suggest other international students or graduate students not make that during their search? So if you could discuss uh, what were the successes, of course, getting your full-time job at Sun Microsystems and as well as like what were the failures or what were the, um, the story like during that period of time, the recruitment period. Okay, so when I graduated in 2004, um, it was the recession just like uh, uh, just like what's happening right now. Um, the number of uh, new jobs that were coming to the market were much lesser uh, than uh, uh, the existing jobs. Um, so uh, the class that graduated in 2004 had a tougher time uh, because they had to uh, they had to either pursue um, some more time at college. They had to stay back in college. Uh, because graduation was not uh, uh, was not recommended uh, since there were no jobs outside. Um, so during my time, a lot of the PhD students who graduated uh, continued to stay in the college doing their postdoc um, or doing some jobs around the college. So um, the other thing that uh, the students did when I graduated was uh, they took up some part-time jobs around uh, around the college, like say taking up uh, taking up the OPT option. Uh, that's the optional practical training. Um, so you can get a job as a website developer uh, with some department, say chemical department or uh, the mechanical engineering department, where they don't have the computer expertise to maintain their sites or maintain their database. 
So you can take up those kind of smaller jobs uh, as you're waiting in your job search. Uh, and the other thing that some people, some others did uh, was to contact uh, the consulting firms that are there. Um, so there are several uh, consulting firms that uh, try to train um, uh, the fresh grads uh, from uh, the US universities to make them uh, available for uh, jobs that are out there, uh, either in the Valley or, in, uh, uh, or on the East Coast. Um, so um, some other students took up that option uh, where uh, they joined a consulting firm and the consulting firm uh, took up the uh, onus about, uh, upon them to train the students uh, to be ready for the job market um, uh, and some other students actually went to um, uh, went to get their uh, uh, resume uh, more well defined um, uh, using a counselor uh, and then uh, trying to find out um, uh, what are the ex extra courses or extra things that they can do besides graduate school uh, when you're graduating so uh, there are four or five options uh, that you can do when you are uh, graduating but uh, having a good job market when you're graduating is very crucial if the job market is down like the way it is now i would recommend continue staying in school continue the option practical training approach your mentor find out if he has any ideas to give give to you always talking to the mentors and the seniors around you helps you to uh, decide what to do next um, uh, because they have a better picture of uh, what is happening around. Um, so confiding in your professor or your mentor is very, very important. I would say that's number one in graduate studies. And also um, uh, getting, the, um, uh, getting the feel of the market uh, before you actually step out there and how you uh, put your um, uh, how you uh, present your education to the, uh, to the employer who is trying to hire you is very important. Um, uh, so, um, uh, it could be that you, you majored in, uh, networking, but the job out there is for, uh, for a database manager or a database administrator. So you can always, um, uh, uh, always tailor your resume around that and say, um, that even though I majored in networking, I had, um, uh, I had a, a job outside of, uh, uh, I did projects outside of my regular day, uh, regular courses, where I uh, did a little bit of database management. So uh, how you present your uh, case is very important to the employer. Interesting. So uh, specifically, like you said, that the situations are very similar to what situation you had at that time. And you mm -hmm. described about how um, different, different options people actually took. What, what option did you take? And what worked out for you to bag that position at Sun Microsystems? Um, if you could actually um, explain that to the viewers. Yeah, so when I graduated, I graduated in the June of 2003. Uh, so it took me six months to, um, uh, to decide what to do next. Um, uh, most uh, students would try to pursue the PhD just because they want to stay in the States. But I would say don't do that. Um, uh, just for the sake of it yeah yeah don't pursue phd just for the sake of it uh, i would say wait it out um, and try to do some little bit of soul searching to find out what you would like to do because uh, phd is an option that uh, uh, that binds you to a particular field and uh, uh, and it expects a lot of uh, mental strength uh, uh, for you to continue in that field 
uh, so um, I would say wait it out, uh, give it another year uh, before you uh, jump in with both feet that uh, I'm going to do my PhD. And uh, getting a PhD is not an easy um, uh, easy task right. at all right. uh, because the mentor uh, uh, it is not one mentor there there has uh, you have to have the approval of three different mentors uh, by the time you get your phd uh, mm -hmm. so uh, it is not an easy task uh, and it takes four or five years to uh, to graduate with a decent project and a decent thesis so um, so I would say wait it out. Uh, if mm -hmm. you have a master's, uh, uh, do some other courses, take, take courses from different areas. Um, so some people take up communication uh, because uh, we as engineers are not that great at communicating. So um, to fill up the void that you have by the time you graduate and by the time you get a job, take up some courses in communication and go and uh, pursue those fields and see um, if that interests you uh, or public speaking. Or, um, or Toastmasters. So uh, uh, doing courses from different fields in the same university will buy you some time uh, if you want to mm -hmm. stay one more semester before you get a job or before right. you decide whether you want to go to a PhD. So um, I would say that those are better options. And then at the same time, apply for OPT, uh, get, the, uh, get the papers in place. Uh, and then uh, uh, what I did was I uh, waited for six months and then in uh, 2003 uh, December I uh, I joined a consulting firm to uh, to join as a uh, to be trained as a tester as a quality tester um, uh, so for software products so I joined that consulting firm in New Jersey so I moved from uh, Blacksburg to New Jersey and then I worked there for uh, I worked there for about uh, uh, four months before I moved to the Silicon Valley uh, uh, on a project. Uh, and um, ever since I've been here, um, I went, uh, I started working in the Valley from 2004, February, and uh, um, and I went back, uh, um, uh, I, I took up, I, I interviewed at Sun Microsystems in, uh, in June, July of 2004. So, um, yeah, so I uh, I continued as a consultant uh, for about a year after I graduated. Um, so consulting is a different ball game. Uh, you keep traveling. Uh, you have to be more adaptable to uh, the different work environments, different people. Um, uh, be more uh, be more receptive uh, of uh, the changes that are happening around you, um, and it always challenges you to uh, to learn on the flight. So uh, consulting is kind of like uh, uh, it, it gives you a lot of uh, uh, a lot of um, a lot of money in the beginning, um, uh, but you have to be up to date with all the latest technologies to survive in that field. Uh, so I did that for about a year after I graduated, before I interviewed at Sun Microsystems, and at Sun Microsystems uh, uh, they gave me um, I interviewed for a, a software engineer two role. Uh, and I got recruited. Uh, so the interview process was very straightforward because uh, the, they saw that uh, by the time the market had improved and uh, uh, since it was one year after the recession and then they were hiring all the fresh graduates. So then they offered me a position back in India. Uh, so um, I was more than willing to take that up uh, because I hadn't uh, uh, gone back to India since I came to study. So it had been three years since I had uh, uh, traveled back to India, uh, two years of master's and one year of consulting. So I took the uh, job in India and then um, I worked there for a year. Uh, and then I came back um, uh, to the States uh, in 2005. 
Um, and uh, this time I came back after getting married. Uh, so my husband was working here. So I joined him back uh, in the Valley. And ever since I've been here in the Valley. So um, the work at the Sun Microsystems uh, was um, a very, a tr a very low level. Uh, uh, we had to start by uh, start by the writing test cases in C in uh, programming in C for uh, testing the uh, hardware components uh, like the um, uh, uh, like uh, EEPROM and uh, uh, the NIC cards, the network interface cards, and uh, and and that and we had a UI and a uh, and a backend that collected all the uh, logs. So, so uh, specifically, when you're actually talking about low level, it was like. Are you referring to the low-level programming aspect of it? That uh, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So what like, I'm saying uh, is, it's so like uh, coding to the metal of the yeah, yeah. It's like body, uh, yeah, right? okay. Exactly, it's like programming uh, specific to every component that is there on the motherboard. So uh, yeah, it's low-level because it uh, it uh, you have to refer to the uh, to the manual of the component. Yeah, documentation that manual uh, because each uh, component has a different set of commands. Um, so we had to go through that manual to look at the commands and then program. Um, so uh, those are the kind of uh, 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 kind of jobs that you get initially. Uh, but uh, again, um, uh, uh, it allows you to grow significantly because mm -hmm. you learn right from the basics of right. uh, how a system is formed, how you program, and how you go up uh, uh, in the uh, on the software layer. Because the software mm -hmm. layer is uh, much more refined. You only see a user interface that is point and click. So right. uh, when you when you go up the stack, you learn the uh, you learn all the intricacies of uh, going through the uh, uh, pro going from the uh, base layer uh, to the network layer, and then the uh, transport layer, and then the application layer. So you go through all the layers of programming as you uh, as you go through the stack. So uh, the UI that you see now in say for example uh, um, uh, the Oracle apps. Uh, or the um, uh, the uh, the apps that allow you to log in and uh, choose a system that you want to create, define a cluster, add systems to it. All that is uh, programmed uh, internally, uh, very much in detail. Uh, so, uh, as an engineer, you start at the low level and then you grow um, uh, based on your experience and based on the commitment that you show. Every um, I I was lucky to get promoted every three years at Sun Microsystems and. Uh, uh, and at the uh, at the end of uh, 2012, uh, actually 13, I was a principal engineer, uh, and uh, the projects that I got were uh, very um, very different over over the five six years. Um, again, um, uh, being able to work in a team, uh, being more uh, uh, receptive to ideas and uh, uh, receptive to uh, changes in the management, changes in the directions that are given uh, from above, uh, help you to grow. Uh, the more flexible and the more easygoing you are uh, to taking feedback and uh, taking inputs and not taking anything personally, that helps you to grow a lot. So um, in my past uh, 12 years at uh, Sun Microsystems uh, and Oracle, Oracle acquired Sun Microsystems. So mm -hmm. after that, it was a change in group, change in management, change in culture. So, so uh, another thing, like I'm intrigued by it because I've watched a lot of like um, entrepreneur uh, interviews and mm -hmm. CEO interviews. And mm -hmm. uh, so uh, was Vinod Kosla still with Sun Microsystems when it actually went to Oracle? No, no, no. He had left uh, way before that. Uh, he had left okay. in 2000. Uh, Sun Microsystems was bought by Oracle in 2010. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, at that time, uh, none of the original founders were there. It was it was a company by itself. Uh, all the founders had already left there. They had started their own ventures. So the things in the valley move pretty fast. Right. So right. Um, uh, so if if a given company is uh, uh, is moving out from uh, older technology to newer technology, uh, you will see the transition happening. There'll be some people who will stick to it. Some people who move out. Um, so, uh, so that that was part of the uh, transition game. So, when Oracle acquired Sun, um, uh, a lot of the products were already uh, seeing that uh, um, seeing that uh, people were leaving and going out, and um, and so when Oracle got it, they bought it mainly for the hardware, uh, right? So, so uh, they they can they still have the hardware division, and uh, they do a little bit of uh, uh, proprietary hardware manufacturing. So uh, that is where. Uh, uh, that is where uh, um, Sun Microsystems fit in. But uh, Oracle, given a software company, there was a lot of uh, uh, learning for me when I uh, transitioned uh, with the company. Um, so I moved into software and I had to learn Exadata and uh, uh, doing uh, testing on Exadata systems, which are like huge uh, boxes with a uh, uh, lot of blades in them and uh, networking cards and so on. So, um, so that that transition, um, uh, being able to change on the uh, change and transition is very important as you uh, mm -hmm. uh, as you make uh, as you grow in your career. On the same aspect, I want to ask: um, the technology is uh, is improving, and the technology is actually growing at an exponential pace right now. And uh, uh, and that was the same at the, at your period of time as well. But it's like it's this the the slope is getting steeper and steeper every single day, every single month. Uh, how did you? Uh, what would be your suggestion for um, the people who are going to be in the current job market um, in 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 computer sciences and computer engineering, uh, specifically to adapt to that exponential change um, in the job market? What were your? How did you manage to uh, adapt to it? Because you worked up in low level programming and then moved up yeah. um but but still like the technology was still was still changing and technology yeah. was still growing very quickly what would be your suggestion for um, you know students who to to adapt to that change so um i would say that when you're trying to switch from one uh, technology to another um uh, it would be a good idea to uh, uh, to try out the technology outside of your regular day job uh, and do some small projects around it. So, for example, when I wanted to uh, switch to uh, using uh, C++ from C or uh, doing Python from C, I had to do some projects outside of work, uh, uh, which were in the new language or in the new technology, and also do some courses outside of work. So when we transitioned as a cloud computing company uh, within Oracle, we had to do some courses outside of uh, our day job um, so that we understand what the cloud architecture is about, how you, uh, how how Oracle is playing in that space, uh, because um, uh, because doing uh, learning on the job uh, is not an option. You do the day job, uh, which requires you to do certain uh, things, um, and then you spend some time either on weekends or after the day job to uh, to learn new technologies. So that is how you transition, or you transition, or you learn between jobs. So uh, if you're leaving a job and you're jumping onto another job, that is when you try to brush up your skills, improve, uh, change your resume a little bit. Uh, so um, for example, when I moved from Oracle to Intel, I had a six month gap. Uh, 
So in that gap, I did the project management certification. So that was again something that I wanted to try new. Um, so in Intel, I joined as a validation engineer and I was also a program manager. So a program managing their, uh, their uh, quality, uh, quality engineering. So uh, doing, uh, doing a technology change or a, uh, change in field between jobs works much easier than uh, uh, than learning on the job. Interesting. So that's something new that I've learned as well. So uh, I'm learning from you right now because mm-hmm. I initially actually thought or assumed that it would be on the uh, on the job that you'll be you'll be transitioning. So that's something new that you would have to add in more yeah. and more hours and add in your personal hours to actually make that transition possible, yeah. right? Um, to be adapted to the new technology. So that's mm-hmm. that's definitely interesting. Um, thanks a lot for that detailed explanation of how your work experience was like at Sun Microsystems and Oracle. Um, mm-hmm. So what was the transition like from Intel to VMware where you are right now? Um, how did you how did that transition really happen? Is there a story behind that? And uh, like what's what's the story behind like transitioning when you're when I've already spent like 12, 15 years in the industry, right? So transitioning in the companies as I can also hear like in Bay Area, people actually change companies very frequently. They move mm-hmm. from one company to another. Mm-hmm. If you could highlight how your story was like. So um, at Intel, I was doing program management and I was a senior validation engineer. Um, uh, so that uh, that job was uh, was very, very, very much under control. And I could uh, do a lot of things um, uh, in my capacity. Uh, but I was looking for uh, something that uh, 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 that helps me to be more involved in the cloud. And VMware being a cloud company, um, I thought the transition was perfect uh, because Intel is still in hardware. Um, and I was still in the hardware side of Intel. So um, uh, Intel is a chip manufacturing company, as you know. Um, so I wanted to go into software. And so uh, uh, so that's the reason I made the jump from Intel to uh, VMware, uh, because it's more of a cloud-based company. And now I do only software. And I, and I write software for the cloud, um, uh, write and develop software for the cloud. Um, so that was my motivation in making the jump. Uh, but again, um, I had contacts uh, outside of work uh, who helped me to uh, get the next job. So again, networking is a very important key aspect of uh, how you um, uh, look for your job and look for where you're going. So always having, being in touch with um, with your undergrad uh, uh, classmates or your graduate classmates uh, or your uh, ex-colleagues is always helpful because they may be transitioning on their own and they can always help you out when you are looking for a change. So uh, having maintaining good relations with all the people that you interact with in your job uh, outside of job, uh, in your family, uh, always helps because uh, they are your. Uh, they will be your change agents when you want to make the change. So I would say um, I would say networking is very important, mm-hmm. and always when you're looking for your next job, um, uh, uh, look look for people who are already working in that company. If you have a company in mind, try to find out. If you know anyone who works in the company, that might be far more easier to, uh, to transition than to uh, than you going uh, starting from scratch. Interesting. And um, so, so, so basically, for your own personal growth, you moved up to a different technology aspect and started doing your own projects and tried to find network with people that you were already in contact with mm-hmm. to grab that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, circling back to that networking aspect. 
because mm-hmm. that is such a core part right now um, because of because of what's going on. Uh, there's there's going to be a surge in applications uh, at each role because mm-hmm. of the unemployment rate. How? What are your suggestions for international students, for graduate students, for undergraduate students who are going to be new in the job market, who wouldn't have as many contacts? How would they actually build up the network? How should they be reaching out to probably the hiring manager? What would be or what would be your suggestion to those students? How 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 would you tackle that situation, or how would you suggest that? Okay, so this is this is a strategy that that you should be adopting to reach out to somebody or find somebody. So I think for the graduate students who are uh, now uh, trying to look for a job, I would say uh, start out uh, from going to career fairs uh, because I know all the universities have career fairs. Even if you know that a particular company is not hiring, I would say still send your resume because you never know who is going to look at it. And um, uh, going to career fairs is very important. Uh, presenting yourself as a professional uh, in the career fairs, the way you speak, the way you uh, put out your resume, uh, the way you uh, communicate to the hiring, uh, uh, to the person who is representing that company, all of those count. Okay, so um, uh, so look out for career fairs, be it in college, be it outside, be it in the county, be it in the district, uh, go for all of them. Uh, put out your resume in all the websites like the Monster, the Indeed, um, uh, and then the job uh, recruiting website of the company itself, um, and and put your uh, put your resume so that it is uh, it is under more visibility. Create your LinkedIn profile uh, up to make it up to date with uh, with whatever you have learned recently. It can be a new language, it can be a new technology, it can be anything outside of work as well. Like for example, you volunteered at uh, some contest, like say you uh, you volunteered to be a, uh, to help people who are running the marathon. Put that in your LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. Let people know that you are, uh, you are a person who is helpful, who, who wants to work with people. Because after all, work, getting a job is working with people. So you having good relations and being able to work with people is a plus point, be it at work or be it outside of work. Also reach out to your uh, mentors. Uh, Tell them that uh, I'm looking for a job. Whoever you meet, uh, uh, make it a point to tell them that you are uh, looking for a job in so-and-so area or you are uh, in the market for a new uh, change. So that is how you uh, create your contacts. And uh, always remember um, that you are your greatest uh, marketer. You will be the best person to talk about yourself. And you are, the, you are actually a, a resume who is on wheels. So you talk about yourself. That is the biggest plus point. Rather than somebody else referring you to the job. Because you know what you want. And uh, you know how to get it. So... Always focus on yourself and put yourself out there if you're looking for a job. Right. So I would say, uh, and also, also the other thing is be very positive uh, right. and be uh, be okay to change, mm-hmm. and um, and come out of your uh, uh, come out of depressions quickly, mm-hmm. and uh, be pos- be in a position to uh, to adapt uh, as you mm-hmm. change. And uh, adaptability is a very big factor that employers look for in employees. Interesting. Um, so circling back on that aspect, 
um, as you said, like increasing the amount of visibility, right? So, but but I've heard like more than ninety percent of the actually job applications are actually through referrals, and people would get jobs via referrals, right? Um, increasing that's that's going to be more of like how how your network is and how your community is. Whether like are you interacting with your alumni? Are you interacting with your yes um, with with people who are already in the in the companies? Your it could be your dad's friend. Specifically, like alumni, yeah. I feel like. Are, are going to be the biggest network or the people who can you, you can reach out and connect to directly and, mm -hmm. and can have a conversation, start up mm -hmm. a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. um, what would be your tips in terms of the fact, how, 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 how should a, because sometimes like, for example, me as a student, I actually feel like, um, how, how should I really reach out to my uh, alumni? Uh, what would be your suggestion to reaching out to your alumni? Because uh, sometimes they can actually feel like, Oh, oh, I'm feeling like this is a transactional thing. I'm straight away asking for a referral. How would you start off a conversation regarding that? So um, uh, reaching out to an alumni should not be that difficult uh, because uh, once a person is in a position of authority, uh, they would want to get more people like them. So, um, so if you are uh, from uh, from a particular school, say ABC, I am from ABC school. I would want more people from my school to be working at my place because that creates a group for yourself at work, right? So, um, uh, so asking, reaching out to an alumni with a simple email or a simple uh, phone message. Uh, should not be uh, difficult. And uh, I'm sure uh, that if you reach out to anyone with a simple uh, request saying that I'm, I went to uh, this school and I saw that you are an alumni and I need a small favor from you. Uh, I'm looking at this job position in this uh, new company. Uh, can you refer my resume to this job? I'm sure that uh, uh, most of the people would help you um, uh, because uh, uh, because it always counts for uh, for people from the same uh, college or same university uh, to uh, to get uh, uh, get their own students. Interesting. So people, uh, students actually need to keep that in mind that alumni are yeah. there for to help you out. Yes. They, you, you shouldn't be afraid of reaching out to them. So they they're gonna be, they would want more people like you. So yes. see, uh, and like that's all. That's what I've been preaching on my LinkedIn, uh, specifically like reach out to people, network, have conversations because they would, they also want to have a conversation yes. with you, want to see what the upcoming students are doing and yes. bring more and more from, from their own bunch. So that's amazing. Thanks. Thanks for those tips. Also another aspect. So since you said that you were in a turmoilist uh, period of time after 2003, once you graduated, mm -hmm. when you, when you actually got your job, like after a year, right? So, mm -hmm. and a lot of students are actually going through the same period of time. Yeah. What was the, what was the thing that kept you going and uh, like kept you going in a aspect because one year is a long time uh, because a lot of students right after graduation, they would expect to have a job and you were, and as an international student, there is an added pressure, pressure yes. of loans, of uh, going to a foreign country, their family is not right next to them. So what kept you going? during that period of time okay so i need to find a job i like you spend that year during this how what kept you going so um i know the problems that uh, every uh, person who graduates and who doesn't have a job 
faces. Um, so like you said, there is always the problem of how do I pay back my loans? How do I get settled? So I would tell you one thing that, um, that uh, all these getting a job um, uh, and paying back your loans, all that will happen in course of time uh, because you have the degree already. So uh, whether you do it in one year, two years, three years, is just a matter of time, but all that will happen. So uh, uh, I'm sure I know that you don't realize that when you graduate because you're still young and you don't, you can't foresee the future, but, um, but everybody goes through that cycle. So when you are in that phase of your life where you're applying for jobs and uh, trying to reach out to your network, I would say, uh, keep your eyes and ears open uh, try to have um, uh, try to have a calm uh, uh, calm kind of uh, posture and calm kind of atmosphere around you. Uh, don't be overwhelmed by somebody else getting a job and you didn't get it. It's okay. Uh, even if you hear such kind of stories, um, uh, just tell yourself that you will be fine. You will get a job. You will be uh, able to live in the States. Uh, um, and at the same time, I would say uh, uh, do some uh, part-time uh, jobs outside. Like uh, It can be like working in the, in the school, uh, working in the college uh, library or working in the, uh, in the college cafeteria. Uh, so anything that, uh, that keeps your day going. Uh, without being overwhelmed by uh, the problem starts only if you start sitting idle and you start worrying that I don't have a job I have to repay my loads um, I would say instead of thinking in those lines I would say go and do some other work like do some volunteer work or do some part-time job keep yourself busy uh, take some courses outside in the in the college from a different department uh, keep yourself uh, moving around um, till, till and keep your resume up to date and talking to your network. So be, uh, have a calm mind while you're looking for a job. Interesting. So uh, specifically, like try not, not keeping yourself like only, only like I need to find a job. You are yeah. going to be in the process of finding a job or also keep yourself busy with something that will actually calm your mind. Right. Exactly. So that's, exactly. That's, that's very do important. some, uh, do some physical exercise, do right. some activity to keep uh, the endorphins coming into your body, mm -hmm. keeping you positive. Uh, but at the same time, do not indulge into anything that is excess, like right. excess uh, smoking, drinking, eating, mm -hmm. all this is bad. Because that's not, so, that's not going to eventually solve the yeah, problem. So. Yeah. But at the same time, do not be overwhelmed by somebody else getting a job before you or after, uh, or, or after you and being less qualified, etc. So don't worry about all that. You would, so just, you, in, yeah, in two or three years time, you will definitely find a job. You will stay in the States, but you have to have that uh, positive mindset always. Your mm -hmm. mindset is very important. Hold on to the positive mindset and everything good will happen. And you are a clear example of that who has grown, gone through those situations. Yes. So it definitely, it definitely means a lot to a lot of the yeah. students who were actually seeing this episode. Um, yeah. Thanks a lot for sharing that. So uh, if, can you, can you share like for somebody who wants to work at VMware, right? Mm -hmm. How the, how the interview process is like, like, let's start off with that. How the interview okay. process is like at VMware. So uh, any interview in the, for companies in the tech uh, in the Valley, Silicon Valley are very competitive. Okay. Um, uh, they expect you, uh, they will first give out a, a phone interview. And if you clear the phone interview, you would be uh, called for an on-site interview. Uh, and after that, in the on-site interview, there would be um, three, four rounds uh, when you're interviewing on the campus. Uh, 
and you would have to write code uh, when you are in the interview. So um, having a good control over your nerves, if you are nervous, you can go wrong. So again, being calm, uh, being um, uh, being able to think on the spot is very important. Uh, and also, um, don't worry about the outcome, whether you get the job or not, but at least enjoy the interview process and uh, try to put your best foot forward. Uh, because these interviews are very, uh, uh, very competitive. And uh, uh, for the same position, there will be 20 candidates with the same background. So how do you stand out? You stand out by the kind of uh, uh, body language and the kind of, uh, 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 kind of mindset that you project. You have to have a calm mindset and uh, also uh, more relaxed uh, and uh, be able to, uh, um, you, you must be prepared well in advance, especially if it's a coding interview, you can be asked any uh, difficult thing to be solved. So choose a language that you are comfortable with and, um, and be prepared to write at least a pseudocode, like an algorithm. Um, so those are the tips for interviewing at VMware or any other tech company. Interesting. So, um, so like, as you said that there's going to be 20 applicants who are interviewing at that particular position, like it could go to hundred right now. Yeah. Um, so do you have like from personal experience, you would have um, gone through your own, during your own process and during your career, a lot of interviews and also would have foreseen a lot of interviews during your mm -hmm. time. Right. What do you have any uh, particular, uh, something that stood out, some, some event that stood out of a particular candidate that instantly stood out from the rest of the batch and was selected for a full-time position, whether it could be like any, any companies that you work for, whether it's some microsystems, Oracle, Intel, VMware, is there any example that you could share with the, with the people what actually stood out for him or her? Uh, so um, thinking on the spot is what uh, interviewees, uh, interviewers look for. So if I give you a problem on the spot, uh, how do you respond to it? You're not prepared for it, but what do you do? Do you say that, uh, oh, I'm sorry, let me go back, uh, read about it and come back? Or do you say that this is what I know about uh, this particular problem? Say I'm interviewing you for, uh, uh, for creating a link list uh, with, uh, 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 and finding if there is a recursion in the link list. You do not know the answer. But do you say that, uh, uh, okay, I do not know the answer, but uh, if I am uh, supposed to write code, I'm going to go um, in a loop uh, from one character to the next and then find out uh, if, if the same character repeats. I'm going to keep a memory of how, what all characters I read. If the same character repeats, I'm going to say that there is a loop here. So are you able to think on the spot? And are you able to see say that? That is what uh, interviewers usually look at. You're not prepared for it, but what do you do? Do you back off or do you attack the problem? If you attack the problem, you are selected. And if you're able to talk it out, you're definitely selected. If you back off, uh, that shows that you are, um, uh, you're a little bit um, uh, uh, not, you're uh, not confident about yourself. So being confident and being able to uh, think on the spot and uh, uh, being quick to react are, big plus points for the interviewers interesting um thanks laura that's that definitely makes sense so you you need to like it doesn't have to be you need to know 100 percent of the problem 
but you exactly. need to know like you have a process or uh, thinking mindset that you're going to go step by step and move forward doesn't matter those steps are going to be perfect but at least you have your own thought process right exactly that, that's exactly. that's what matters uh, so uh, exactly. thanks a lot for that um mm-hmm. so we do need to wrap up uh, but it was an amazing time with you uh, before i wrap up i had like uh, an intriguing question because you mentioned about the mentor part right did you had a mentor during your lifetime um if so how did you how did you get in touch with that mentor uh so um the mentors can be uh, i have a, i have a mentor um uh, so um my uh, there there are different people whom 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 you can look for guidance mentor is a person who provides the guidance so mm-hmm. for me my professors have been my mentors for the most part uh, and uh, i'm still in touch with them and even the teachers from school um so um i do see go to them to seek advice and to seek guidance so um uh, uh, and i also have mentors in the uh, in the technical field where i work at so i always seek those persons when i'm stuck in a problem and i want to find a solution or if i want to discuss uh, that uh, this is the solution that i'm going to propose for this particular problem does that make sense so having uh, that kind of uh, relationship is very important uh, this mentor can be a colleague whom you work with in your past uh, office or it can be um, uh, uh, it can be somebody who is uh, in your friend circle who has gone through the same process so uh, so i would say uh, i i always have mentors in my uh, for me who guided me through my whole development process i cannot mention uh, who they are uh, for okay. for their own safety mm-hmm. but uh, uh, but i i i i definitely think that uh, having a good mentor pushes you forward to a large extent how should one actually go about finding a mentor so the mentor can be uh, can be a person whom you look up to so suppose you want to be a engineering manager tomorrow uh, you can choose a, a person or a friend who is in your circle uh, or who is in your friend circle or in your uh, office circle who is having the same position and you can ask him that i want to be some day uh, i aspire to become like have your job profile and you can start talking to them so uh, a, a mentor is someone who whom you know and uh, whom you are comfortable sharing your problems and uh, getting advice so just like just having a casual conversation trying to yeah. say like what you what you want to be you if you yeah. want to be like them uh, if you could give me some tips yes. um how we could actually build up that relationship yes. and stay in contact like exactly. i could reach out to you regularly for exactly. help and advice so that's exactly. that's interesting Um thanks a lot Priya for an exciting episode. I learned a lot during this period of time and I'm sure a lot of international students and graduate students or undergraduate students who have come from different parts of the world to United States have learned a lot from you the struggles that you faced and your successes in the bay area. Um thank you so much. Are there any ending notes that you would like to share with the international students with the international viewers of this episode? Oh I would definitely say that never give up. Uh be very strong on your dreams. and always aim for the star aim for the sun you will get the stars so always aim high you will uh, you will reach at, even if you make half of it you have you have achieved a lot so never give up follow your dreams and aim for the stars sweet uh thank you so much for an amazing episode priya i'll be linking priya's linkedin uh in the description box and um, please reach out to priya if you are interested in having a conversation with him developing a relationship and getting some insight and getting some more advice she has been in the industry for over a decade 
in the Bay Area. So, so the woman in technology, this definitely should be reaching out to Priya. Uh, thanks a lot, Priya, again. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks a lot for doing this. And uh, I appreciate you spending your time you. with me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.